Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 14, reads this way. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble or are offended. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. The title of today's message is Fences. You could also say, uh, don't take the bait. In the parable that we just read about the kingdom of God, Jesus describes four types of soil. And the soil reveals the condition of the human spirit, of the human heart. There is the wayward soil, there's the stony soil, there's the thorny soil, and there's the good soil. The seed is sown into each type of soil. The seed didn't create the soil, it revealed the condition of the soil. Whenever the word of God goes forth, it doesn't do, it it first of all reveals the condition of the heart of the hearer. And over time, if someone will receive the engrafted word, it's able to save their soul. Those that hear it, accept it, and allow the work of the word of God to be the work that's working in their spirit will be transformed. They will be changed. So the work, the good work that God wants to do is to bring about a change in our human spirit or in the heart of mankind. He wants us all to hear and accept and put his word into work in our own lives, in our relationships, in times of tests, trials, and tribulation. The word of God is applicable in all seasons and for all reasons. We need to be hearers and doers of the word of God. We need to cultivate the soil of our heart so it hears and accepts what God has to say and then implements it gladly into their life. I had a a professor in Bible school, and one of the the things that I took away from his class, and, and there was multitudes of things, but this was primary. And he would make this statement every week, uh, several times during the week when we would be gathering. He would say, in life's battles, always stay on God's side. In life's battles, always stay on God's side. Always choose the path of the word of God. Always choose the path of life. There's other alternatives. They really don't produce the results that we're looking for. But thank God we can choose Christ and we can choose life. So choose to stay on God's side. So this is an important aspect that in all seasons and for every reason imaginable, we need to strive. We need to strive to stay on God's side with a humble attitude. All right. Reasons why the seed doesn't bear or produce fruit. All right. There is first the wayside soil or the condition of someone's heart who is wayward. These people choose not to hear what the Lord is saying, not to see what he is communicating. They lack a desire to understand. And and that can happen to anybody at any time. You know, we're just not interested. I'm just, you know, I don't care for that. 
And because of this, because of the lack of desire to hear and to understand, Scripture says Satan comes immediately and takes the seed that was sown in that person's life. He's an opportunist. Now, then there's the stony soil. And these people really start off good, but they don't have much depth of soil. So they end up being unfruitful because of tribulation or persecution. When that arises for the word's sake, Scripture says they stumble. The word stumble there should have been translated offended. They are immediately offended when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake. So they had an idea or perceived idea of what God was going to do and when he didn't do it, potentially the way that they perceived he was going to do it. And tribulation comes for the word's sake or persecution comes for the word's sake. Then they stumble and they fall. And as a result of that, their heart becomes hard or indifferent. They get offended potentially at the persecution, at the offenses, or even worse, they get offended at God for permitting them to happen and they stumble and they don't bear fruit. All right, the third type of heart that does not bear fruit is thorny. These are individuals that hear the word, but then the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things choke out the word. So of all the things that keep God's word from being fruitful in the heart of humanity, one trips us up, I think, more than any other. I think at times we all understand that, you know, maybe we're not in a position to hear or to comprehend or we're not willing to see or to understand the truth of the word of God. And so whatever's being instructed or whatever, you know, instruction is being given according to the word of God, maybe we're not interested in it at time. And, and, and that's something I think that that uh, can be easily illustrated. You know, we're we're struggling with an injustice and someone comes to us with a message of letting it go and forgiving. And and we're so caught up in the injustice that we just aren't going to be willing to let it go. Well, we're not going to bear fruit as far as being peaceable in that moment. And and I, I think all of us have been, you know, had Satan come and steal something from us as a result of not being open and receptive, pliable and teachable. All right. And then I think everyone can identify with tribulation and 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 persecution. And at times, you know, as a result of that, we're like, what in the world, man? I've been serving God. I, I think I've been faithful. I, I, I don't have any really uh, blatant sin in my life. I'm not waking up every morning and and planning to go out and just live a reckless and rebellious life. And look, look what's happening to me. I mean, storms are coming and adversity is coming and challenges and tests and trials. And and what did I do to deserve this? How in the world did all of this come upon me? I'm a good human being. And and you can it the, the tone gets more and more ratcheted up and we just get to the place that, you know, it it just sweeps us away. We become offended. I think that's the biggest temptation to give place to. I think as you mature as a human being, you, you realize the, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this life and the lust of other things are just fading and fleeting. I, I think time and, and hopefully some, some good counsel and good wisdom, you know, removes us from, you know, being people that are greedy and lustful and, and prideful. And uh, life has a way of, you know, sort of uh, ratcheting us down a few notches with our haughty or high attitude. And uh, 
and, and all of us so we can, we can say, you know, I, you know I, I remember a time when I, I thought money was the cure for, for all problems in life. But as I lived more of life, I realized that, that money wasn't the issue. For a believer, what's most important is to have a heart full of faith because with faith, all things are possible. You, you know, money, money is likened in Scripture to an eagle or a bird in the book of Proverbs. It, it can fly away as soon as it comes to you. It, it can fly away. Anybody can relate to me uh, in that way. Uh, I, you once, you know, had some money in the bank and then the car broke down and the refrigerator broke down and the kids needed new clothes and you, you, taxes came and then property taxes came and the next thing you know that little bit you had set aside is long gone. And you realize, though, that that's not the essence of your life or your identity or who you are because I've learned this lesson, one of the great lessons that my dad taught me. Um, and, and, I, and I wish I had more time with my dad. I wish I had more working memories with my dad. But, you know, I, I'm so thankful for the ones that I do have. And I, I really try to honor my dad even after his passing by by keeping these, these things alive, not only in my life, but to pass them on in my family. was My, my dad was very successful in business, and my dad said, son, I've made a million dollars, and I've lost a million dollars. And he wasn't embellishing a story at that time. I, I've made a million and lost a million. And you know what, son? Yeah, making it's a lot more fun than losing it. But if I made it one time, listen to me, I can make it again. Some people believe that if you lose something, you can never recover it. It will never, that opportunity will never come around again. And that's not true. That's the deceitfulness that comes with just chasing riches. Riches need to be our servant and not our master. That we use money as a means of livelihood, of taking care of our responsibilities as means of an inheritance, but it is not our identity. Lust of other things, deceitfulness of riches, cares of this life. We realize as we grow in our faith that he, Jesus, cares for us and that we don't have to carry that care. But, you know, this subject matter of offenses is really a large subject matter in scriptures. Talked about over 60 times in the New Testament alone. Jesus' ministry was around the process of getting people reconciled to God. Many people are, you know, separated or divided from, from the Lord and from other relationships because of offenses. Either ones that they, you know, took and received into their life or maybe they were the ones that contributed or caused the offense. But of all the things that God's word teaches us, it teaches us to be peacemakers, to work at reconciliation and to do it with a humble heart. I think the most dangerous fence in the world that we could build in our life is an offense, is to be and to live an offended way. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said offenses would come. They are inevitable. But he also taught us that his words at times would even create offenses. So everyone has to make decisions when they hear the gospel. James shared that all of us have the capacity to cause offenses. And he used the tongue as the one that ignites the fire. He said the tongue is a whirlwind of offenses and that we all offend many in various ways. 
At times, we're even unaware of it, that our actions or our words cause offenses. Now, if people are offended because of the word of God, then they'll have to take that up with the Lord. If they're offended because of my words or my actions, then it's my responsibility to do something based on the words I spoke or the actions that I lived out. And the same is apropos for you. Paul, knowing the dangers of offenses, strived to live his life free from offenses while not being a compromiser of his ministry to the word of God. Paul prayed for the body of Christ that we would be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. It's a possibility. We have to learn to identify offenses and not take the bait. Temptations will be uh, to be offended. They come in various shapes and sizes. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. And uh, they come in the form of insults when we feel slighted, betrayed, or wronged, or someone maybe potentially used our name improperly, we feel slandered. And these are traps that the enemy sets in hoping to hold us in captivity or bondage to do his will and not the will of God, to keep us from being fruitful and to keep our life barren spiritually. Scripture uses the phrase stumbling block to describe offenses. So how can we identify if we're offended? I want to give you three things to consider. All right. If you have taken something personally, the possibility of you being offended is a reality. If it becomes personal. Number two, if you seek revenge or you want retribution, you want to pay someone back, you want someone to suffer, then you could be offended. When emotion is the engine of your decision, you could be offended. When emotions are driving your decisions, it's a dangerous place to be in life. When bitterness, envy, strife, division, or separation are evident in your life, the potential for division being the cause is pretty high. The probability is pretty high. If you spread the offense and want to contaminate other people's lives, the potential of you being offended is even higher. People that are offended share their offenses. They want other people to be offended with the thing that they're offended about. They want to gather a group or contingency to agree with their perspective. All right. So when we choose not to take the bait of offense, here are some things that are evident in our life. We learn how to address the problem and not the person. There are times where you're going to have to problem solve. You're going to have to get down to the root issues. What is the root issue? And the root issue could be that someone was unenlightened. It could be that they're immature. It could be that they're fearful. It could be any number of things. It could be that they were hurt, and through that hurt, they're hurting other people. But there is a root to the fruit and if you get to the root, you'll take care of the fruit. So we have to learn how to address the problem and not the person. Number two, we have to seek and work to reconcile the relationship. You have to be willing to be a builder, to build a bridge towards that other human being. Scripture says, as much as is possible to live at peace with everyone. So you strive with everything that you can. 
And then the third aspect of those that have not taken the bait of offense that I want to bring to you today is they have learned how to cover the offense. Scripture said is the glory of man to overlook an offense. It's something very glorious when you don't spread gossip, when you're not a backbiter, when you're not a tailbearer, when you're when you're not behaving in those ways. It's a sign that your heart is in a good place that you've heard and accepted the teaching of the word of God, and now you're bearing fruit. The fruit is, it's not personal. There's a problem here. We can get to the root of it. Secondly is, I'm willing to do my part. I'm willing to take responsibility for my words and my action, and I'm willing to do everything that I can to live at peace with that other person. And the third aspect is, is I'm not going to, spread this all over social media. I'm not going to spread it through my workplace. I'm going to be a person that prays about this. I'm going to be a person that works towards reconciliation and not towards contaminating other people's lives with this. So what do you do if you're caught in the trap of offenses? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. I want to read a portion of this teaching I'm going to read 15 through 17. This is Jesus teaching about dealing with a brother who wrongs us. He says in verse 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, well, tell it to the church. If he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen and as a tax collector. So what do we do if we're caught in the trap of an offense? We've taken the bait and we're in trouble. I think first you have to go and you have to be willing to have a conversation with the person that you're at odds with. And you have to talk about potentially what created that moment. Talk about the problem. Don't use personal pronouns. Don't make it a personal attack. Secondly, if they're not willing or open or receptive, you know, take some others so that the the story is more well-rounded. I mean, bring some others in. And in doing so, everyone learns. When you have more witnesses, you have a bigger case. and And as a result of that, you have a clear perspective. You know, usually if it's just your side and the other person's side, there's usually a third side, and, and I always say, and I go back to the saying, that's God's side. Stay on God's side. When you find yourself being defensive and justifying you know, what you know is unjustifiable, then that's an indicator that you need to be reconciled, potentially to the Lord, and yes, perhaps to somebody who's made in his image. And so the last is, only out of necessity do you separate yourself from that individual. If they don't listen you know, to you, if they're not willing to listen to others, if they're not willing to listen to the counsel of godly authority in the church, then you really are not left with any other resolve. Then you have to separate yourself. And I didn't say isolate yourself from that person. And I didn't say judge that person, criticize that person, or condemn that person. What I said is you probably are going to have to create some space between you and that person because of the relationship is going to get toxic. And toxicity is not what Christ has called us into. He's called us into reconciliation. And if you can't enter into that relationship in an agreeable way, in in a compassionate way, then you probably need to have some separation. 
You need to have separation. All right. So we need to learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. Freely we have received and freely we should give. So to finish my message this morning, I want to use a visual example. I'm going to use the visual example of a fence. And fences are interesting to me because, you know, fences have good purposes. Like, you know, they tell us where our property lines are. And that's a good thing. They give us some boundaries of what's safe and what's not safe. I'm thankful they put fences around uh, like the, the transformers and the power stations here in town. And so that children don't wander in innocently and end up getting fried and, and, and become a French fry and get electrocuted. You know, uh, and, and fences are also good for privacy. I mean, uh, I'm thankful that, you know, you can have a privacy fence. Not everybody uh, has access or should have access to all areas of your life. You should have a part of your life that's private. But then, as I said, the most dangerous offenses, <clears throat> the most dangerous fences that we build are offenses. And these things are not healthy. These things, you know, divide and separate. These things are, are the result of us not understanding how to live out our faith and how to express our faith. They keep us from having relationships with other people. There's something that separates us from us and, and them. We're on this side of the fence and, and they're on that side of the fence. And the fence is the barrier. And whether it's physical or whether it's just relational, emotional, I mean, but it's there. You can sense it. You can walk up to someone who is easily offended and you get about this close and you feel like this close and no farther. And it's not the result of having a good fence in their life. It's the result of having an unhealthy fence, an offense in their life. You can't talk to them about, uh, you can't have accountability conversations with them. Their, their ears aren't open to them. I mean, if you hold them accountable for the promises that they made or the things they said they were going to do and, and you feel resistance and you can't, get close in proximity in a conversation and you feel like you're being pushed back. The possibility of there being an offense there is very real. You're, you're sensing a barrier. You're sensing something, something separating us. Have you ever felt that way conversationally with someone? I'd like to talk to you about that, but every time we bring this up, it's like we're walking on eggshells and no one can talk about this. This is, this is not good. And because of this, I feel like something's separating me and you from really having the relationship that I want to have with you. I mean, what in the world has offended us? What's hindering us? What's keeping us from walking together, from talking together, from laughing together? Why, why do we get around each other and it just feels like, oh, man, oh, gee whiz. I'd like to talk about that, but oh, just let's just talk about the weather or sports or something else it's interesting once an offense is taken it really does become personal and whether we realize this or not we're not just offended at one person when we become offended we're carry this malady with us everywhere we go you carry it to the grocery store you can carry it to the grocery store i'm offended at the price of milk i'm offended beef 
Come on, it's a cow. It's the dumbest animal God ever created. We only have cows to have milk and to eat beef. How can a cow can't be worth? It's like gold. Do I have to give my gold teeth away? I'm offended at that. We're offended that, you know, we go to a ball game. Ever been to a ball game? I've been to a lot of ball games. I've coached, I've played, you know, I've been as a fan. And it's interesting, you know, if you're offended, this is who's sitting next to you. You could be sitting there and you're like watching your child play a sport. And that coach is, why, why didn't he play my kid? What's wrong with My kid's the best kid out there. Look, look, that other kid, he doesn't even know how to kick a ball or throw it. Look at that swing. Who swings like that? This is, my little brother's better than that. That's crazy. Just, what about at home? This is always a fun one. One that, you know, when Charlene and I got married, Charlene is the sweetest, kindest, prettiest person that I know. And I say that with, no hesitation. I don't know of a kinder soul. I don't know of a better listener. I, I don't know of someone that I'm more endeared to from a human perspective than my wife. But when we got married, you know what I discovered? My wife is a beautiful person and an ugly sleeper. You know what that means? That like, I'm going to go to bed. Hey, it's time to go to bed. All right, let's go to bed. All right, you got that side. I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. And all of a sudden, we're just laying there, and all of a sudden, it's like a freight train comes into the house. (laughs) And I'm laying there, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Why didn't she tell me this in premarital counseling? Why didn't her parents tell me? Her sister. Gosh, she's so pretty, but oh, this is, I got to sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Hey, can you roll over? Hey, turn the speaker the other way. Come on. You're just killing me. Right. Take this to church. Why don't they sing the songs that I like to sing? Man, that music was good. Why do they play it so loud? Why do they have to have the drums? I heard one time every song that they play in the minor key is like of the devil. (sighs) Am I going to a church that's of the devil? They play minor keys. I mean, just... Offended by music, offended by dress. Isn't that an interesting one in church? Like, why isn't the pastor wearing a tie? I don't know where that is in the Bible. I I think there's times where you dress according to the occasion. I'm I'm not up here like in my lawn mowing clothes. (laughs) And not my gardening outfit, right? But it's interesting that, you know, you could come into a service and the presence of the Lord is here, and yet we don't even sense it ourselves because we're offended. And we're looking around and critiquing everyone. Well, golly, that outfit doesn't go together. Who told them that you could wear khakis and gray? 
man, they need to really get with us times. We carry it everywhere we go. We go to work. And, you know, we walk into the office and we're carrying this fence. And the next thing you know, that it's time for annual reviews. And you get passed up for a promotion. Why do I get passed up? I'm, I mean, I'm here just like everybody else. And the review talks about being willing to go the extra mile, be a team player, you know, curving gossip or things. It, don't be a water cooler person, a bad water cooler. And this is, it, it didn't start at work, right? It didn't start at the ball field, the family. I mean, this offense could have just been picked up because you didn't get invited to a birthday party at eight years old, and you've been mad ever since, and you're, you're going to punish people. You're gonna, if you don't get invited, you're going to punish people. If you're not included, you're going to punish people. It, it could have happened to a child that grew up in a home, and their mom and dad divorced, and the child didn't do anything wrong, and now they're guarded. And they're offended and they're hurt and they're wounded and they're trying to figure out life. And those things are real and they happen and they impact all of us. It happened to my brother and I. We were trying to figure out what part could we have played and what could we have done differently maybe that could have kept things from transpiring in our family the way that we did. And because of that, when my mom would go out on a date with somebody else, like, my brother and I treated that guy like garbage. Why? Because we were offended because we didn't want anybody else in our life. So we would sort of play the parent trap game, do some shenanigans, cause some trouble, some mischief. We would say and do things that would create some doubt and skepticism about the relationship. My mom would catch on eventually and tell us to cool our jets, and so we'd always get those things in place. It's interesting that these things travel with us. They get in the car when we're driving. We wonder why we got pulled over and nobody else got pulled over. I guess all the cops are just looking at me. My grandfather also gave me a good piece of advice while I was growing up, and he said this, Son, always watch out for pretty girls that drive red cars. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they're fast. They drive fast. They live fast. So just be careful. Now, it's interesting. Charlene, pretty girl, had a red car at one time. I'm glad I wasn't offended by what my grandfather said. <laughs> but if we don't deal with these, and we don't reconcile, and we don't resolve and get to root issues, these don't go away. They just get higher and higher and higher and bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us that if you have found yourself recently fight, fault, fight, fault, fight, fault, fault finding. I'm going to get that right. Fault finding, grumbling, complaining, you know, being negative, that there's really just, I believe, one true path to get rid of the offense and it's through the cross you know because when I come to the cross 
which for some people is very offensive. You have to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You have to admit you're lost. And that's a challenge for some people. They don't know that that's really the condition of their soul. But when they see Jesus on that cross for who he really is and what he's really done and they embrace the cross, something transformational happens in their life. They find the gift of forgiveness. And in finding that gift, they can give it to anybody else. They can give it to a friend that didn't invite them to the birthday party. They can give it to a parent that was at a tough season in their life and was hurting themselves and, you know, made a decision that affected a child. They can sit at a ball game and they can give it to the coach and the referee and the other team because they've received forgiveness, they can give it. And pretty soon, this isn't their traveling companion. You know, for Shar and I, you're wondering, how in the world do you guys make it? Well, I have decided after 31 years that I would rather be sleep deprived and sleep right next to my beautiful wife, who's the ugliest sleeper in the world, than to sleep on the sofa. I, I decided that even though I begged her to get her tonsils and adenoids out, that I'd rather lay next to her than lay by myself. I'd rather stare at the ceiling and thank God I'm the most blessed man in the world than to pick on her nose. I didn't, I didn't know how to do that without Jesus, and I can only do it through Jesus. I can go to the grocery store and I can say, yeah, milk, bring it on. I'm okay. God's going to supply. I can have a police officer pull me over and I say, you know, said, you know how fast you were going? That's always the question. It's a rhetorical question. They're trained to ask you questions to see how honest you're going to be. My answer is like faster than I should have. Faster than the speed limit. You know why I pulled you over? Yes, I know why you pulled me over. I told a police officer one time, just write the ticket, get it over with. I'm guilty. Instead of being offended at someone who's trying to serve the overall community, what if I was intoxicated? What if I was a reckless driver? And what if I was going through a school zone at 40 miles an hour? And I said to him, well, there weren't any kids around potential of that statement shows there's an offense. But what if there was? It's the cross that gets rid of the fence. And the ugliest offense we've ever had was our sin. It was offensive to God, so he did something about it by sending Jesus and removing it once and for all with his blood. Our sin offended God. That's why he sent a savior. To remove that offense and to make all wrongs right. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.